0: hey this is travis t-bone turner we're here at the tour 12 podcast don't
1: give your guide a knife for a tip he probably has a knife because he's a guide, <laughs> the guide here nice. he okay, comes. that's the kind of stuff <laughs> here he comes he's coming in hot. hey
0: i'm nick Mont from bone collector you're listening to the tour 12 podcast
2: if you're one of these guys who carried horns around ata just leave them at home quit being an idiot <laughs> <laughs> so b does all of our modeling he's a look good guy
0: Definitely, I don't have a voice for radio. I'm the face for radio. I'm the only one <laughs> out there listening. You know, put your kids in front of this podcast. I mean, we're not going to get too crazy. You might want to put them to bed maybe a little bit later on, but <laughs> that's just that's just me
1: talking. But we'll get to arguing over schedules or, or man, you know, something that we Where disagree on. Where are we going <laughs> to eat? <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of it, we hunt together because and hang together just because we truly, truly enjoy each other's company. Well, it is, it is
0: our job, and we have a platform, and by all means, we're flying the flag as much as we can. We, we need, we want
1: to preach it to the everybody. It's it's not for the elite, it's not for the rich, it's it's enjoyment Making for
2: everybody. Making a living doing something you absolutely love, what we call living your passion, you might actually be closer than you realize. It's actually what this whole podcast is built around, living your passion in three areas, business, leadership, and life.
1: I'm Michael Waddell, and you're listening to the Tour 12
0: Podcast.
2: Hey, 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 what is up? Friends and family of the Tour 12 Podcast, my name is Jay Heath Graham. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Tour 12 Now powered by Swagger, the bipod with moves. And as always, we are the podcast that moves all over the country. But today, we are in Arkansas at my house, in my living room. And in just a moment, my man, Mr. Clay Newcomb from Bear Hunting Magazine is going to be joining us in the conversation. Before we get there, though, I want to take just a second and say thank you to every single individual that's been listening to the podcast. We have seen numbers like skyrocket since the beginning of January. I like to say in business, up and to the right, baby, up and to the right. That's exactly what we're seeing with the Tour 12 podcast when it comes to analytics. So thank you to every single person across this country that's listening to the show. We wouldn't have a show if it wasn't for you. So thank you. We have this week not just a good show, but I believe a great show here on the Tour 12 podcast. And I always like to look just a little bit deeper into the conversation. I actually do this with a lot of conversations even those that aren't being recorded. I like to look into what is it they're really saying? What is it they're really communicating? In other words, what are some underlying principles I can take from this individual and learn from? A lot of times I learn a lot of good things. (laughs) On the flip side of that, I also learn a lot of bad principles from people. You know, like principles you wanna make sure and not have associated with your life. You can see how people operate when you look below surface level. I enjoyed hearing this conversation because it showed me some underlying principles with Clay's life that I believe we could all take and learn from. He illustrates in his conversation several principles, a couple I'm going to point out. One of them is the underlying principle of work ethic. When you live and operate with an undeniable sense of work ethic in your life, you don't have to tell anybody anything. People take notice. In other words, you don't have to talk about how good you are, you just do what you do. And it shows how good you are. Clay's one of those people. He has an incredible underlying principle of work ethic. He also illustrates within this conversation what it means to be prepared prior to the opportunity ever presenting itself. Now, he may not have been as fully prepared as he would have liked to have been, but when it came time from an occupational standpoint to make his move, he had already prepared. He also presents the principle of consistency. I've known Clay for a while now, as you'll hear in this conversation, and I've had the opportunity to watch him over the years. And he is constantly adding to what he's doing, presenting more content, networking at greater levels, making more connections. And he does an incredible job of displaying consistency in his business and in his life. He's constantly looking for ways to add to what he's doing. And because of those three things, I believe it's just three small things that I took notice of and thought it was worth mentioning prior to getting into this conversation as we look a little deeper into the conversation. Those are just three small things that jumped out to me. And I believe if you were to ask Clay if those three things have played a role in his success today, he would say, well, of course they have. Now, you may listen and hear and find something completely different than what I took from the conversation. Again, I'm just encouraging you to look beyond just the surface level, just beyond the entertainment side of this podcast, and see if there are takeaways for you. I hope you not only enjoy this conversation, but I hope you are inspired by it. Without further ado, this is that conversation with my good friend, Mr. Clay Newcomb. Hey, hey, what is up? It's going to be a good day today here at the True 12 Podcast. We're actually in my living room today. With my man, Mr. Clay Newcomb, Brandon Hunt, aka Be the Body. Oh,
0: God. Be the Body.
2: <laughs> Clay actually just told us he thought that's what the B stood for. How many? I, always, how I many mean, have...
1: for like 10 years, I thought
0: that's what the B stood for. How many podcasts do we have to start off this way before it gets old, <laughs> is what I want to know. It's, it's so, not that funny. It is so funny it because you hate it.
1: Funny. If
2: you would have just rolled with we probably would even quit like calling you that. The dumbest nickname ever. <laughs>
1: Thanks. I okay. just thought that
2: guys that worked out, that's why they worked out. Negative. They
0: wanted you to look
1: now at the Now, you're the soft talker, though.
0: I
2: guess so.
1: Isn't right. <laughs> that his
0: nickname? Soft talker. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that he can get a little soft every now and then. <laughs> that's
2: true. That is true. Anyway, Clay, it's good to have you at the house today, man. We've been... Hey, thanks for having me. We've been talking about this for probably six months.
1: Yeah, for a little while. And uh,
2: we finally made it happen. I know we talked about it back before ATA. And we've all had crazy schedules. I know yes. you have, too. And you've yes. had a lot going on. Um, and so we're going to talk about a little bit of that today. Um, I've known Clay, I guess I guess we've known each other. We were talking before the show about somewhere around 10 years, probably. Yeah. Something like that. We got started yeah. close to the same time. And it's been interesting kind of watching watching you grow with your business. And obviously that's what this podcast is really built around is is talking with people that are living their passion. And I know yeah. you're doing that. I even think I heard you say one time if you'd ever thought you were gonna be making a living hunting bears or something like that. Didn't you right. say
1: that? Yeah, I mean you never ten years ago, fifteen years ago I wouldn't have thought that this is what I'd be doing for a living. For sure. Yeah. I so mean, kinda kinda give everybody
0: a little bit of background exactly what what it is. You sure. Know, what is that? Well that let do? me go
1: back to what, what you said it's kind of given our history. When did Struttenbuck start? 2007 and was the far first year we hearing. filmed. Yeah, okay, 2007. We started
0: filming in two thousand and six. The first
2: bearded hen ever was killed in 2006 on film. I don't know that it ever made television, but it was back. It was the very first <laughs> the bearded thing. hen that yeah. was
1: ever filmed. Yeah, I filmed Jeremiah in Kansas. So if you kill yep. a bearded hen, then you can predict that your maybe something's going to go right. Like like like, yeah, I guess good. I don't know. Well. <laughs> You no, know, I was I started following you guys just as, as just Arkansas guys back mm-hmm. during that time. but uh, Yeah, because you're from and, Arkansas. That's right, yeah. So we live, uh, I live in northwest Arkansas in West Fork, which is an hour and a half from here, I yeah. guess. It took me mm-hmm. an hour and a half to get here. But so I've, I've always kind of monitored you guys for a distance. I mean, I've never really hunted with you or anything, but right. I always had a ton of respect for you guys. We should change that. Same here, too. We should. We should change that. But no, I always really respected you guys because I I knew that I knew that you guys were number one family men, Heath. I knew that you were a yeah. believer and were and that was important to me. Yeah. I mean, I always enjoyed watching you. Brandon's an atheist. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Don't <laughs> even start that. Were you <laughs> kidding me? I'm just kidding, dude. <laughs> oh, that <what>? was hilarious. <laughs> B.A. B. A. B. A. B. A great Uh-oh.
2: oh this is getting better, and no. better.
1: I'm just <laughs> we'll kidding. move away from that one but <laughs> no so what I to give a, a just a short history and then history. we can go wherever yeah. wherever you wanted to go um, in 2010 I started a regional a regional magazine with zero credentials zero knowledge of how to do that zero knowledge of publishing basically in 2007 well, here goes here goes way back. In 2007, I killed a deer basically in my backyard that I hunted for 15 straight days and killed this deer on purpose with a bow in my backyard. The deer ended up scoring like 169 inches and was a non-typical. I mean just a wow. spectacular wow. deer. And for Arkansas, as you mm-hmm, guys would know. Absolutely. And uh I ended up getting three articles published about that deer one in North American whitetail one in bowhunter magazine and one in Arkansas sportsman and uh and and that kind of opened my eyes to this possibility of doing stuff in the outdoors that it wasn't about producing an income but just sharing stuff in the outdoors so I started and I was I'd always been a writer so I guess all this really started I guess that was what
0: gonna be my question is did you
1: have a writing background uh, you know Twelfth grade English, okay. Uh, but you know, I, I I always did love to communicate through writing, and Go still ahead. do. I mean, that's a kind of a core functionality inside of me is writing. Enjoy that, and uh, so I killed that deer in two thousand seven, and that was the that was the entry point. That was the entry point to just outdoor stuff, and I started writing some more articles because once you kind of start getting into that world. it gets gets easier and easier to get articles published. And so these editors start to kind of know you. And Mm -hmm. when you send them a query, they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so for probably five or six years, I was writing, I mean, I wasn't by any stretch a full-time freelancer, but I was writing between five and 20 articles a year for random outdoor publications. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in 2010... I started the Arkansas Black Bear Association, mm-hmm. which was a non-profit hunting conservation organization for Arkansas black bear. Yeah, and there's quite a bit of history behind why I started that. Um, and inside of Arkansas Black Bear Association, I decided that we'd start a regional hunting magazine that was just authentic, all Arkansas. And, uh, and I didn't have any, at, at that point, I had no experience publishing Any magazines didn't have any I mean I look back at those magazines now and I just laugh. (laughs) I really do. We do
2: that too with everything we did back
1: then. I think that's the norm. Yeah. Is that you produce content and people that produce content, I mean you're putting yourself out there. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean you're it takes (laughs) some guts. Yeah, it takes some guts to do it, but I mean, every little piece is like a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And still you know, I'm sure I'll look at stuff I'm doing now that I'm really proud of. And we'll be like, man, yeah. I that looked, was, I looked, what was I think, I look back
2: 10 years ago, and I'm like, that's why nobody was beating our doors down for content. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So yeah. you knew nothing about publishing. You did know a little bit about writing. But as far right. as, did you I do mean, the design?
1: You did everything. I did everything. Baron and I, Buck Journal, right? That's right. and Buck Journal. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we kind of had a cult following, man. Yeah. I mean, to, to this day, I still get people that think maybe they've just been out of the loop for like five years because mm-hmm. the magazine is no longer in print okay okay but we printed it for five years and i still get people like back in the hills man that like <laughs> they see me and they're like man i had not had the Baron book journal in a while i gotta have one i would be like man it had not been in print for five we years we hear that oh, on yeah. the
0: tv show all the time because you know we did air out of a there. local network for a couple of years there and i still have people they're like man what how come y'all quit doing that hunting show thing y'all were doing yeah (laughs) bro we never stopped (laughs) it's still kind of going yeah 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 Yeah. that's
2: crazy man i think one of the things that's that's been intriguing to me about you and your business from the magazine standpoint is you have you have I don't know if it survives the right word, but it's a good word. the The digital age has definitely taken a huge impact on our industry from a marketing standpoint right and how people spend their dollars and I think we had this conversation one time you were talking about how it's been interesting for you to see that people still want that print. Yeah, in their hands, and I yeah. and I and I and we do marketing for companies, and there's times I'm like, I don't know. I go back and forth, but I always have clay in the back of my mind when I'm thinking about digital or, or not digital, but print magazine ad spans yeah. that there are people that still want that. It's just like books or anything yeah. else. They want yeah. the hard. So what's that? What's that process been like? Well,
1: so there's a there's pretty kind of a big philosophy and story behind print that still that gives it some relevancy. You know, print is, uh, well, let me back up and give just a little more context. Okay. Just to clarify. So Arkansas Black Bear Association is, uh, is still in existence, but has basically been inactive for the last five years. Got you. Okay. In 2013, and Bear and Buck Journal has been out of print since 2015. In 2013, I acquired Bear Hunting Magazine. Right. And so Bear Honey Magazine was already in existence for fourteen years when uh-huh. I acquired the business. Yep. So we're now in our twentieth year. We're producing our twentieth volume wow. uh, of Bear Honey Magazine. Bear Honey Magazine is the only print Bear Honey magazine in the world. Wow. None other. Wow. We're we're a giant fish in a very small pond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emphasis on giant <laughs> yeah. fish. Uh, and so when I talk to The printers, the people that print my magazine, they print, and I just print with an average size printer out of Fulton, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And he said, Clay, we print a thousand titles that you've never heard of in your life. Really? Like hot rod, pinstripe magazine, bear hunting magazine, yada, yada, pony magazine. Really? So niche magazines. Are are still doing well at a small level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but because there are still, and this is the whole premise of why I'm in existence, is that there are still people who are willing to pay for print content. Yeah. Like I'm mm-hmm. not willing to subscribe to your YouTube channel and pay you twenty five dollars right. a year. I won't do it. Yeah, I've been trained that that stuff's free. <laughs> yeah, but but there are still people that are willing to pay twenty five dollars a year. To get a high quality product mailed to your door mm-hmm. i mean it's a product yep you and, have something to hold and you know th- there's and and we'll see if i'm wrong it will always be that way i agree i mean i think so i too. wouldn't
2: i don't know that i would have said that until i've i've watched you from a distance for a long time and right. seen you're proving that right yeah you know? and i'm with you i think i think trends come and go but there are certain things that will always be there. I, th- I think TV is one of them. We the, we've had the same
0: conversation yes. Yes. with
2: television. People it's, thought it's, TV it's was away. dead. It's going away. Well, not
0: really. There's just a
2: lot of people's went away. People have been Product, saying that about print
0: media for 15 years.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's still here. Yeah. And you know. Well, you think think about the, when you think about the, the span of humanity and communications inside of humanity, I mean, it wasn't until 20 years ago that people started saying that print was going to go away. Yeah. For the last, however long humans have been here, they've been been scratching stuff down on (laughs) papyrus, you know, and I mean, that is a, it's a fundamental thing inside of us to.
2: And here's something else I tell people all the time. And this goes along with what you're saying is because marketing strategies are changing day in and day out. There's all these trends that come and go or whatever. And I tell people this all the time because it relates to part of my life and yours too and be is that. The thing, one thing that's never going away is stories, that's
1: right. It doesn't, it's never,
2: yeah. it's never going away. And you go back to like you're saying from the Bible times when they were scribbling it on a on whatever, you know, to today, and you can look at Barnes and Noble's and stories within films or from a marketing strategy standpoint, people connect to stories, and yeah. So There's yeah. always a place to advertise within yeah. that. Somehow. And it doesn't
0: yep. matter what format comes in, if yeah. it's written. Video, whatever it is, as long as it's got a good story, yeah, that's the key. Yeah. It doesn't matter what media format it's in. Yeah. And,
1: it, and it's obviously, I don't think it's ever going to be the, the primary way that people intake media. Right. But think about before, let's just say even 2000. So Barony Magazine was started in 2000. Mm-hmm. And that would have been like the peak of the magazine world. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, the only way to advertise was television magazine really for nationwide media Mm -hmm, especially even outdoor media and really outdoor media the
0: television advertising was so expensive they i mean a bunch of those companies couldn't even afford to play in that game at that time yeah
1: yeah so so the magazine started in 2000 and it was still the internet was still small enough then that there was a pretty good world for a magazine to exist. And basically, the former owner of Bear Hunting Magazine, he and his wife ran it, and there's only been two owners of the magazine. Wow. And and they did very well with the magazine from, well, the whole time they had it. Mm -hmm. But I think around 2010, I think he saw the handwriting on the wall that the world had dramatically changed, and he really wasn't, prepared or willing to make that shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when he kind of started looking for ways to get out of it. And um, and I was, I had, well, I'm about to dive into a whole nother. I was going to ask you the process of how that's you fine. came about
2: acquiring the magazine, yeah. though. Yeah. I don't know if that's where you were going.
1: Well, it, it was. I wasn't necessarily wanting to go there, but... <laughs> or this this quick i don't want to i don't want (laughs) to climax out too quick here Uh, because that's the only story i got man (laughs) i bet we can work a few (laughs) more no but from a business perspective considering that you know you guys are talking about living your passion and how to get into the outdoor industry Uh, to me this is one of these things that you can't you couldn't have predicted or you couldn't have made it happen exactly you know it wasn't like i was scouring the World looking for an outdoor business to make a living. right That's not the way it happened. Yeah. And I'm sure it's not, it's it, you guys would have similar stories that stuff just kind of happened on its own. You know, you were just kind of positioned right. Yeah. And, but talking about different things being a stepping stone that maybe they don't seem that important, but when you look back, they're really important was the Bear and Buck Journal. Yeah. I sent the uh, former owner of Barony Magazine a copy of the Bear and Buck Journal. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, just because he had a bear hunting magazine, I'd never heard of it, didn't know a thing about it. But honestly, I thought maybe they'd write a story about this newly formed bear association in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So I sent him this magazine and he responded back with like a handwritten letter, just like, hey, cool, nice magazine. Looks like you guys are doing some stuff. And basically, I kind of started a friendship with the owner of this magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I've subscribed to bear honey magazine and the second issue that I got, there was a, I noted that the editor had left and the owner, this guy had talked to was now like standing in at the editorial position. I, by this time had probably published like eight articles and had published two magazines, bear and Book journal. <laughs> so highly unqualified <laughs> for anything. And he petitioned people just like, Hey, we're looking for a new editor. And, Man, I look back on it now and, and I, I learn like how like stuff kind of happens inside of me. But I remember where I was standing when I thought I could be the editor of that magazine. <laughs> I mean, it was like a it was like a gritty moment of just like overcoming, it, you know, just like I could do that. And then I just laughed because I had no <laughs> qualifications to do this. I mean, it was, and as if it were like this massive career leap, but I was like, I could be the editor of that magazine. And I remember telling my wife, I was like, I could be that. I mean, just like that was the yeah. phrase. I could do that. Yeah. And anyway, like three days later, I was just like, I'm going to write a resume. And I, I wrote the guy a resume, just to, you know typed it out, sent it to him in the only qualifications i had was that i had published two issues of this magazine <laughs> so i sent them to him and man if he didn't call me like two days later or he, he communicated with me somehow and said hey i want to talk to you for a full-fledged interview for this position and uh and and i was like wow okay <laughs> we'll do this and uh i knew i had one shot with this guy mm-hmm. and at th- by this point i maybe had talked to him on the phone one time but you know not in this context. So this is now an interview. And uh, I remember I was landscaping at the time. And I was covered in dirt. And I was like, I pulled into a Lowe's parking lot up in Fayetteville to have this con- this call with this guy on the cell phone. And uh, man, I just gave it everything I had. I told him what the magazine needed to do, where it needed to go. He needed to get on social media. He needed to change the design of it because it looked like it was made in nineteen eighty four. And you designed two at this point? Yeah. Yeah. And mine looked worse than his. I mean, I just I was like, Man, I got a I got one shot at this. I'm at least gonna let this guy think that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And uh I just gave him both barrels full with full respect. I mean it wasn't like I was trashing his magazine, yeah. but I just said, right. This is what you need to do, man. And I felt like I had some sight into it. Yeah. And he was really a great guy. I mean he was he really he asked me a lot of questions and was real interested in what I said, and talked to him for an hour. And uh, he ended up hiring another guy that had like 20 years' experience in the industry, right? Which was the wise hire, you know? Yeah. But something I had said to him made sense to him, and that was that they needed to start a social media page, and Honey mm-hmm. magazine needed to be on Facebook. So he called me and said, "I'm not going to hire you for the job, but I want you." i'd like for you Help. to start a social media page for us and uh he was like how much would you charge me to do that and i think he was expecting me to say like a th- later i realized i think he was expecting me to say like thousand dollars a month or something yeah and i was like hundred dollars a month i'll do it
2: <laughs> holy cow
1: i was You're leaving looking some money on the table you still looking for any more <laughs> <Yeah>. jobs? <laughs> hundred dollars a month and uh and, and you know, and that was a stretch, you know. Yeah. I figured he was going to be like, oh, man, I don't know, 100 bucks a month. Anyway, <laughs> so I started the social media page for Barony Magazine, I guess, in 2011, I think, 2011. And uh, he, ne- he didn't even know what Facebook was. He wasn't on Facebook. And so, I mean, he just let me do whatever I wanted. And I was very diligent to do what I said I was going to do. And about every six months, I'd call in and report to him. Just yeah. what I was doing. He never called me. He liked clockwork. I'd get my $100 a month, you know. And uh, long story short, I did that for like three years. And we har- hardly had a conversation during that time. Wow. And, uh, again, I was covered in dirt, been building a rock wall in somebody's backyard. And uh, I got an email from him on uh, June. When was it? No, it was May thirteenth, two 2013. And Heath, I had built my life in such a way, like I went to college. I mean, I've got a degree mm-hmm. in environmental soil and water science. I could have graduated college and done a lot of different things. But I, I started a landscape business for two reasons. I wanted to be able to raise my family and not be somebody else's boss or, you know, not, right, not underneath. be somebody else's. Just <clears throat> I wanted to have freedom to raise my young family. Number yep. one. And number two, when the leaves turned maroon in the fall, <laughs> I wanted to be able to hunt. Yeah. So yeah. I started a landscape business. As, as time moved on, I had, a, I had almost this, it, it was very real to me, but uh, almost like this image in my mind that was very real. And it was an image of like an like a open sky above me. And at the corner of, just at the furthest peripheral, of the sky was this dark wall cloud. And if you, if you watched the cloud for very long, it wouldn't move, but, gra- but if you turned your head for like a little while and looked back, it'd be a little closer. And I knew, I knew that one day that that cloud would cover my whole sky above me. And that cloud represented working in the outdoor industry full time. Hmm. Like I, I just had this image it's like, it's going to be slow, but eventually I'll be working in the outdoor industry. And that wasn't an ambition inside yeah. of me. It was just a knowing. Yeah. And, uh, and so for years while I was landscaping, every time the phone would ring and it would be a number I didn't know, and it, it wasn't like I was this dreamer either that was just like, yeah. trying to do something else I wasn't trying to do anything else mm-hmm. I was just doing what I knew I could do and I was writing some articles I was doing some photography I was doing a few things and loved it and was a mainly just a passionate hunter yeah. I mean aside from media or video or publishing I mean I'm a hunter man yeah I mean that's Love what it. I am yeah. yeah I but I but when when I get a call I would be like Wonder if this is the call? You answered every one. You didn't know who it was, and I mean, I just
2: envisioned. I ignore them if I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right back then, take on your approach, probably. (laughs) Well, anymore, I don't answer numbers. I don't know. (laughs) They didn't robocall that much back then. It's bad now. But just just had this idea that something was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be a doorway, and anyway, it didn't come as a phone call, surprisingly, but it came as an email, and the owner of the magazine emailed me and he said clay and again this is after three years working for him and probably two conversations yeah and he said my wife and i are wanting to get out of the business we wonder if you if you would like to if you'd like to buy it from us Wow. And, and basically i mean he helped me yeah i mean i'm not you know and uh and it was just like that and i i called him and was just like what do you mean you know let's talk what are we looking at here? Right. And I found very quickly that it was something that was very doable for me. Yeah. And, uh, at first I thought, you know, is this a trick? Is this a trap? Is this, is this a business that's dying? Which I was very well aware of the difficulty of print. I wasn't going into it without my eyes wide open. But me and my father-in-law, who's a very influential man in my life, we jumped in the truck and drove to where this guy lived, which was fourteen hours away, wow. and uh, I wanted to look him in the eyes and say, "You really want to do this?" I mean, yeah. like, because I I didn't know this guy. Uh-huh. I didn't know if he was trying to pawn off something that was just right. sink a sinking ship. Mm-hmm. And man, we got up there, and he, and I mean, he was a meticulous bookkeeper. He was meticulous with records. He showed us fourteen years of tax returns and wow. details and and uh and he was just like we want to help you do this. He said I think you can do it. I mean, he he singled me out. Wow. And I believe it was from that first conversation that we yeah. had when I was covered in mud mm-hmm. in a parking lot of Lowe's and I didn't get the job. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't do this for anybody else. And yeah. I mean, and and I knew that this is what I'm going to do. I mean, if you would have said you're going to be publishing a Barony magazine. You know, I yeah. would have just said no way. Yeah. And so I acquired the business and he said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it quick. <laughs> and, and, and I said, man, I have built my life with an eject- I built my business, my landscape business with an eject button. That's exactly what I told him because for two years I had, I'd got rid of my employees and I was just, just everything mm-hmm. I was doing myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all I had to do was finish the wall that I was building when I got the email. And uh and so I jumped in full time. I mean like when I got I got the magazine on 2013. Let's see. July 1st, 2013 was the first day that I had the magazine and I had I had to go to print like a month later with the first issue. And I mean Bear Hunting Magazine, it's a pretty extensive process to put together a magazine. We've got about 65 bear hunting outfitters that are in the magazine. Wow. Um, You know, it was a scramble. And, and,
2: uh, I mean, just... and you had been... You still had and Buck Journal going while you were running social media, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you were still learning the process. Yes,
1: I'd gotten quite a bit better at building magazines by that point. Yeah. Because I'd been building some magazines for about five years. But we were only doing the and Buck Journal between two and four times a year. Oh, I got you. So, I mean, maybe by that time, I'd produced... 12 or 15 magazines or something, you know, and, uh, so it was it was like jumping off a cliff you guys know the feeling <laughs> you know i mean like committing to do all these episodes well, that, and that, we said our first year on tv
0: we signed a Sportsman's channel contract and we had one we're a hunting show and we had one fishing show producer <laughs>
1: yeah. i remember y'all telling that story that's a true story was
2: yep. no kidding and it was yep. kind of one of them deals you just got to figure it out and go yeah once you're in you know yeah
1: once
0: you sign your name it's a lot easier you're a lot more motivated to figure it out though yes <laughs> there's
1: no backing up yeah yeah that that is no kidding that's that's what it was like for me it was just like okay i gotta do that and there was no backup plan i mean i'm i'm married have four kids my wife doesn't have a massively paying job she's a brilliant brilliant woman who should be making a million dollars a year but currently does not yeah um she she runs a private school oh wow. that's what she does yeah wow so um but so i mean it wasn't like i had this big Room. I didn't have much room for error, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Yeah. And uh, the beauty of, well, the reason Bear Hunting Magazine is in existence is because of Canadian bear hunting outfitters. We are still a one-stop shop for... Full- <laughs> <laughs> for For selling bear hunts for a lot of people, yeah wow. because the one and the reason that niche magazine this is where I was going to go before actually talking about print and why niche magazines are still doing good, yeah, I assume on this podcast we say niche and not niche <laughs> what is yes. okay yeah, this one <laughs> if we if we're a little bit more pretentious, we'd say niche niche is fine I'm here. good with niche <laughs> um, so the reason that we're still in existence is that we have between seven and eight thousand paying subscribers to bear hunting magazine. Yeah. That's just what we've got. Yeah. We've been that way forever. Yeah, But we are still currently the most dense market for people that are bear hunting, that are like hardcore bear hunters bear hunting every year. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Canadian bear hunting advertiser, I mean, mm-hmm. you can spend a little bit of money with us yeah. and put hunters in your camp. Yeah, and, uh, and so that targeted market, I mean, like if you're paying for bear hunting magazine, uh, you're you're pretty serious. Yeah. You know, yes. and that's the one thing that it that it is still has a lot of value to advertisers is for that highly specified yeah. client. It's kinda of
2: similar to a podcast. I mean we were talking about it. it may not be the numbers that television gets, but the audience is very oh, geared yes. ser- serious serious
1: about it's your target market. I saw yeah.
2: I saw research from Forbes the other day it said that um Eighty-five percent of subscribers to podcasts listen to one hundred percent of the podcast. Eighty-five mm. percent of that audience—that's
1: that's big. Yeah. That's big stuff. Isn't yeah,
2: it? it is. It really is. And so that accumulates to dollars if you're an advertiser. that's yeah. how we all survive. But that's an interesting story, man. I was because I was going to ask you at what point you made the transition from doing a, another right. job to, to full time. And so you really did just dive in. Yeah, <laughs> jumped off a cliff. Yeah, closet. and
1: it's and I've been doing I've been doing this full time since july 2013 well
2: take us through the process of the detail and just the time that goes into putting a magazine together from start to finish what's that look you know like for you?
1: it's gotten a lot easier over the years at first building a magazine was what i would have said was my primary the primary function of business like i would spend most of my time like building a magazine yeah anymore i build a magazine in like four days really yeah, I mean... How many, how many pages you got, typically? 72. I've, I've got some in the in the truck I should have brought in for y'all. But, yeah, pretty much our magazine is always 72 pages, hard cardstock cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, thick page. I mean, it's a nice magazine for a mm-hmm. small magazine. Uh, genuine, diverse content. I mean, we really try to do well. We're not trying to fill up the pages with advertising. Um, but to answer your question... Um, the biggest part is just organizing, organizing the stories, gathering the content. It seems like everybody always thinks that content is the limiting factor. Most people are like, how do you ever gather all the stories? Man, I've got more content than I know what to do with. Really? Yeah. That, that's not the limiting factor at all. Hmm. Um, people, a lot of content I recruit from social media. Mm-hmm. I pretty. I don't know how people, I don't know the science behind like evaluating someone. Just by like looking over their profile page. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I am almost with ninety nine percent accuracy. You can tell what you To tell whether that guy is willing and able to write a good enough article for our magazine. Or if he's a
2: person of integrity you want to deal with. yes, I had a guy the other day, I won't name his name because he's listening right now, but he said, man, I I started a new career, and I just realized I probably need to go back through my social media and get rid of a few pictures. Yep,
1: (laughs) yep. That's right. Yeah, that's right.
2: That's hilarious. But so you get a lot of content from social media. Well,
1: in, in in maybe not so much anymore. But originally, I was just trying to find people to to write content, and mm-hmm. and most people are willing to write stuff if they've had a, you know, a fantastic experience in a wild place. Yeah, they're and have good photo. I mean, they're more the willing to write. Right. And uh, and we work with writers. I mean, like some people have. You know just written bare bones stuff that we kind of beef up or mm-hmm. or so i mean we have a pretty broad spectrum of what we accept but photographs is usually the the limiting factor really of of uh with what we're trying to do because we're trying to upgrade the quality, quality. of the magazine yeah. and uh you gotta have quality, quality photography. Yeah, because it's not like digital. You yeah. get you to to make a good to make a photo print. It's got to be a certain quality. And yeah. cell phones are so good. I hate cell phones, <laughs> but cell phone photos are getting so good. Yeah, it's really helping the thing out. But That's even true. five years ago, cell phone photos weren't nearly as good as they are now, now in terms of megapixels mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. quality for print and stuff. So yeah, so. uh But yeah, so, but now I've built kind of a network of people from a diverse, I mean, just all over the place that pretty consistently send me content. And then I create a lot of content. I mean, there's basically I'll, I'll, I'll have the magazine with like this core number of kind of like adventure bear hunting stories. Mm -hmm. And then I may be like, man, we need a how to article. And I'll either recruit somebody that I know that can just spit out an article in a day's time mm-hmm. or I'll write one. And I mean, we kind of got it down to a science in terms of produce, actually producing the magazine. So that's really not, I mean, when I think of bear hunting magazine and the work involved in it, I kind of don't even think about printing the magazine. That's interesting. I mean, where I'm putting most of my work right now is in digital stuff. And, mm-hmm. and that goes back to what the former owner was and I'm going to say unwilling, and I think he would agree with that if he were listening right now. But I mean, he just wasn't going to do it. But I knew when I took the magazine that we had to be strong on social media. We had to have video. We had to have all this other stuff that was Missing. really good for the space. Yeah. You know. And so that's what we've done. I mean, we've, uh, you know, right now our, our YouTube channel is probably the primary place that I'm putting content. And uh, and I'm not necessarily just Promoting the magazine on YouTube, but it's branding. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're just brand. I mean, just all our content is just Bear Honey Magazine stuff. And so, yeah. you know, well, YouTube channel, social media, which we're not massive. I think we've got 40,000 followers on Facebook. Yeah. And then Instagram, we were kind of a day late and a dollar short. We're, you know, just kind of hovering at six or 7,000.
2: No, I bet you, though. I bet a lot of the Instagram, you know, following is. There's not obviously as many people our age that are into magazines. I right. mean, would you? What's your demographic for magazines? Do you think do you have many eighteen to twenty five year olds that are reading no, magazines? No, it,
1: it's pretty. It's it's definitely thirty five and up. Yeah, but I mean, guys like us, we grew up with oh, magazines. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I mean that's. But the digital space is where you can connect to that demographic, though.
1: Yes. Yeah, and and so social media, YouTube. So what I'm finding out too inside of this business, and this is kind of a spin from the YouTube thing, is that whether you spend $25 with me on a subscription to a magazine or whether you spend $25 with me on a hat really doesn't matter at the end of the year. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of merchandise stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, it blows my mind how good merchandise does yeah you for got, real
2: you have got a captive audience there specifically yeah. around there mm-hmm. yeah
1: and uh, and so so the digital stuff is becoming really big and for us anybody that knows there's a Bear Honey magazine that didn't before is a win and yeah. there's going to be some percentage of people that you know like like our youtube channel and i I could get into this because i'm a I've become like a YouTube nerd. <laughs> I've spent the last year and a half learning youtube yes, I really have i mean almost like a i mean i i've just I've learned it from a marketing spec- perspective right. as much as I could i mean we've had i think eight point one million views on YouTube in the last year and a half Wow, wow, and every one of those people i mean unless they just watch the first ten seconds of a video yeah they Heard the word or saw the logo of Pear Honey Magazine. Yeah. yeah. And there is a percentage of those people, and though it be small, minuscule,
2: yeah,
1: are going to – they're like, heck, I didn't know there was a print magazine. I think I'll get it. And, uh-huh. and all the time I get people that uh, buy a magazine and say, man, I love the YouTube stuff, or they say, I love the podcast. Yeah. So it's like all these little channels that drive people down inside of a small business is significant oh i'm sure i mean it's 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 significant yeah that's an so. incredible story man. yeah but
0: it, and you know bear hunting magazine itself is the end product but bear hunting Magazine's more than just a magazine now i right. mean it's a brand yeah it's a it's a, it's a whole lot more than yeah. just a magazine especially breaking into the apparel business and that side of it because if you're passionate about being a hunter or if you are subscribing to bear hunt magazine you're obviously a passionate bear hunter right and you want to people want to wear stuff that tells what they do you know that supports what their passion is and that i mean that's awesome
1: yeah Yeah. well that's that's where going back to my youtube studies i mean like these big time youtubers that are making a living doing Mm -hmm. youtube stuff in the hunting space which there's I don't know. I don't want to name any names, but five or six come to mind that are just solely YouTubers. That's all they do. Mm-hmm. Man, they're not making a living off YouTube views, getting paid from YouTube. They're making a living. Big secret here, going out to the world <laughs> <go>. off merchandise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for real. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're making a living off merchandise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's crazy. It's so,
2: crazy too because I think merchandise and clothing. I've always said I think it's the most competitive probably business or market in, the, in in any industry. There's so many hat and shirt companies, but it goes, it comes back to what you're saying. When you have a brand and a captive audience, you can still be successful in that space.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, it's not like we're trying to start a, a, a fashion line, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. We, right. <laughs> but we have about, I think we've got eight or nine bear related t-shirts, uh-huh. just kind of quirky. Some of them funny, some yeah. of them goofy, you know, this, but, man they if sell. You love they really if do. you love
0: bear hunting where, where where you see you don't see that anywhere you can't yeah. go buy a t-shirt that shows your support for bear hunting yeah anywhere yeah yeah, yeah. that's probably, probably probably the hardest thing you would be able to find anywhere else yeah
1: that's the beauty of the of the niche market yeah, yeah. is that there's not many people in the space yeah and you know what i've had people say man what would you do if another bear hunting magazine started up and i'd be like good come on
2: i'm same way i'm Mm -hmm. like podcast tv whatever i'm like come on there's plenty of space yeah if you can make it happen come on yeah
1: but the truth is i don't i don't think i mean (laughs) more power to them if they can pioneer and grind out another it's hard so we're kind of in this space and and there's not many people there that are specifically in bear hunting but but my my for my goals inside of this world are, are are bigger than just bear hunting. When we first started, my intent was to rebrand bear hunting at a national level. Mm-hmm. Rebrand bear hunting in general. To me, bear hunting was an old fat man sport. Uh huh. Um, and man, there is more opportunity. Talking from a conservation perspective, on a on a continental perspective. Black bears are thriving as much or more than any critter on the planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's more opportunity between spring and fall seasons. I mean, bears have just not been, people have just kind of disregarded it. Mm -hmm. And all the great patriarchs of our hunting heritage, Teddy Roosevelt, Daniel Boone, all these guys actually identified themselves as bear hunters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of what we're grinding on like this hat right here, bear hunter. I mean, people, people, just that's kind of something that people don't really identify with. Why do
2: you think that is? I mean, do you think it's because our generation relates a lot of bear hunting to just bait hunting or sitting over a barrel? Or is that part of it, you think, or just something else?
1: I mean, I think the whitetail craze in the last 50 years has just engulfed people's interest. The whole country, yeah. And and I, I really think that the bear hunter identity just was sort of lost and it does take a a specialized type of hunting and skill inside of bear hunting to be successful um and the reason that these old guys like roosevelt and daniel boone and all them there was a time when a bear was a much more valued commodity culturally than it is now Mm -hmm. i mean a bear used to be a highly valued animal for its for its rendered lard for its hide for its Mm -hmm. meat and so i mean like even here in arkansas they said that Back in the day, to have a big bear hide drying on your barn was a status symbol. Really? Yeah. I mean, it'd be like having a Humvee parked out in your front yard. Yeah. Wow. And they'd be like, man, look at that guy's bear. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm going back to. Yeah. But so, so culturally, we've moved away from that. And obviously, antlered game are going to be, there's more, eye appeal to antlered game. Yeah. So, but to me, it's a, it's, it's fantastic. I don't want, I mean, heck, I'm a whitetail hunter to the core. Right. I mean, I, nothing will ever replace whitetail hunting for me, but from a business perspective, man bear hunting is a great place to be (laughs) (laughs) you're out there all alone yeah solo i'm on the mountain alone boys yeah (laughs) uh so but but that's what and that's what really we've been doing through our videos and through everything that we're doing is just like hey let's be bear hunters yeah Uh, and and it's working yeah i mean i i will not i i can't take credit for all the movement that we've seen in the last years, but I think we can take a little bit because we're the only ones that are saying it, but exactly. they're like straight up. But I mean, you start seeing all, you, there's more and more films about bear hunting oh, yeah. by uh-huh. some major companies. I mean, uh, and there's a lot of, I'm not, I'm not saying we influenced all these guys but bears are a lot more on the radar today than they were five years yeah. ago and there's mm-hmm. no doubt you played
2: a significant role in that i believe that with yeah. everything you've been involved with and and i think you're doing a great job too with even some of the stuff you're coming out with from an entertainment standpoint man you've been tracking the story with your mule you want yeah. to tell us yeah. about that a little yeah. bit uh, I mean, well, i've been keeping up
1: with you uh, i, I ain't getting
2: on a mule but i'm gonna watch you do it
1: uh, <laughs> man all just content-wise, I mean, I'm just always looking for something, and and that mule deal turned into something bigger than I thought it would. I just, I bought a mule yeah. and uh, didn't really intend to make any content off it other than I was wanting to use it for hunting right. and uh, ne- had never trained a mule. Now, Brandon, I know you were raised with horses oh, and yeah. you're a cowboy. Mm-hmm. I, I was raised in rural Arkansas, so I was raised <laughs> up on horses, but we didn't have horses. We didn't right. train horses. I mean, I was green. Mm-hmm. But I I got interested in mules and had been for a long time, but ended up getting one. And uh, it was basically an untouched animal. I mean, yeah. it had a halter on it. The guy that had it before me could get a hold of her, but yeah. that's that's it. And uh, I I started... I filmed it the, the, when we went and bought it just just because we had a camera there and my daughter was there. I was like, hey, we might as well film this. Yeah. And anyway, it, been, it ended up kind of being a rodeo getting this mule in a trailer. And, I, and when I got home, I was like, man, that was pretty cool. I said, I ought to do a six-week series, called Project Honey Mule, on training this mule. Yeah. And I had no intent of actually training the mule in six weeks. Mm-hmm. Never. But I got on social media and just said, hey, we're going to do a six-week training series. That that <laughs> night, I put and I put up a, the first video, and people liked it. You know, it was, yeah. it was like this mule, bucking and throwing a fit, wouldn't go in the trailer. Yeah. And oh man, the equine world is ruthless when it oh, comes really? to critique of how you do things. <laughs> oh yeah, oh they're ruthless. <laughs> so I had a lot of people fry me for that. <laughs> oh, I even I even made I even made. There's this like ultra animal rights activist hater equine girl on youtube i made her video wow she she go she trolls youtube looking for looking for dirty mean people that oh, treat wow. horses bad and uh and all
2: you're trying to do is load him in and the she she
1: found my video and it was actually on there and she was critiquing me this girl with like pink hair oh my god. and gosh. uh anyway i was <laughs> Kind of freaked me out, but afterwards I was kind of proud of it. (laughs) So I. What's that all traffic? Good traffic? (laughs) All of it. Um, Now, so, so, it long story short, my buddy texted me that night and he said, man, that's pretty gutsy saying that you're going to train that mule in six weeks. And I was like, I didn't say I was going to train it in six weeks. I just said I was going to make six weeks worth of videos. <laughs> and then I start, everybody started being like, man, Clay, you're really going for it, man. You've never done this before. You're going to do it in six weeks? And all of a sudden, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do it in six weeks. Uh, and anyway, I so I... I from the time I got it 6 weeks later I was riding the mule you yeah. know and I, to be to be completely honest it was like a transformative process for me i'm sure for it really was i mean my life has been a series of overcoming fear uh-huh. for real and as a kid i got bucked off of a horse at uh-huh. my buddy's horse like first horse I ever got on i came off of it somehow uh-huh. i don't know if it bucked or if i just fell off but it scared the tar out of me when i was <laughs> right. like 7 or 8 yeah and it uh, had always been kind of fearful around equine animals, but saw them as a valuable tool for getting into wild places. And it was just like, man, I'm going to do this. And uh, training that mule, and I had some experience in animal training, but just some foundational stuff that really helped me. And and the first time I saw uh, a horse trainer, he didn't train my mule, but I watched a horse trainer, a good friend of mine, mess with another mule. Mm -hmm. And I watched him for like five minutes and I was like, I get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's training horses or mules, or it's it's no different than dogs or whatever it is you're training. It's all positive reinforcement stuff. It's just the positive reinforcement that you give, like a large, like a horse or a mule is a fire flight, or a flight right. animal basically. So right. you're, it's pressure. It's about pressure and release. That's all yeah. it is. And and applying pressure when needed releasing that pressure whenever you're that's their reward is the release of pressure yeah. it's just amazing to watch one of those animals go from completely trying to annihilate everything to get away from you to right. accepting you and actually locking on to you and you're their you're safe the place now
1: yes you know it's, it's a unique
0: experience yeah. yeah it's it's awesome you're yeah. saying i should try it b uh for sure yeah. i've got a special mule <laughs> yes, for you Hugh. do you you probably
2: do make it good it's, it'll be really entertaining we've now, talked I'm, about this i am gonna years.
0: put a caveat in there what's that horses are a lot easier than mules are to do all that with
1: <laughs> that's what i hear <laughs> It's a lot easier well that to to seal off that story if we want to talk about it more we can but that one of my videos on YouTube has 900,000 views. Is that not wow. crazy? But, but the, the final training video that kind of summarizes the whole thing. And uh, so anyway, that that kind of surprised me. Yeah. But it kind of opened my eyes to that kind of reality, kind of raw type video that people connect with.
2: I was going to ask that. If you were to go break that, why you got that much traffic in that in that video, just to help listeners – what do you, what do you find that people are looking for? I
1: mean, what well, is Well, I tell you what on YouTube, anything controversial. Oh, I mean, I yeah. hate to say it cuz you don't I've never and never will make a video with the intent for it to be controversial. Right. Yeah. But uh I think there's 1500 or 1700 comments on that video. Wow. And about half of them people are crucifying me. Yeah. Uh just so you, for for doing it wrong or saying yeah. I was being rough on the mule, which is ludicrous. I mean, the beauty of the way that that I did it was I didn't have to get rough with the mule. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was all natural horsemanship type stuff, not stuff that I created on my own. It was stuff I researched and mm-hmm. and you know learned from. Yeah, I yeah. didn't do it on my own. Yeah, but I did. I executed it on my own. Yeah,
2: I was want to ask you when you're talking ask you when you're talking about controversial stuff you deal primarily with bear and bear i mean you deer hunt too but what do you you get a lot of that kind of feedback
0: on the bear side of things geez because i know we've i mean we've had one or two people lose
1: their mind when you post stuff about bears at least on on our side i really feel like the controversial side of bear hunting is really essential to what i view as a call to be inside of this world right I mean, bear hunting is the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. It's the low-hanging fruit of North American hunting. And uh, I would have, you know, 10 years ago if you just said, Hey, Clay, hunting's under threat. You know, there might be a chance one day that you wouldn't be able to hunt like you do today. It just would have been so far removed for me that I wouldn't have even thought about it. I mean, we live in a state that's pretty rural and pretty hunting friendly and whatnot. But, man, I mean, I can't even begin to express the threat that our whole hunting community is oh, yeah. under, yeah. and the, the point of it is bear hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a charismatic megafauna. I mean, animals that have been humanized, animals that have, have emotional appeal, animals that people don't understand how we utilize the resource. People are okay with you killing a deer and elk because they yeah. automatically know it's a prey species. Well, it's a prey species. Yeah. They're going to eat it. They can mm-hmm. identify with eating that. They see you kill a bear and they automatically just think it's a, just a total just joy kill or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, I mean, I could nerd out on this podcast about the <laughs> conservation angles of why we bear hunt, why we do what we do, how bears are thriving in North America, how hunting is like the best thing that ever happened to black bears. Yeah. And, and, and I view that as like a significant part of, of who I am. So I can't just produce entertainment. I've got to uh, – a big part of what we do in the magazine is educate people. Give them, give them the vocabulary to talk about conservation-based hunting and how, you know, how uh, bear populations are designed to expand by 10% per year. Okay, yeah. that's that's the natural growth rate for most natural wild populations of bear. The limiting factor for, for growth of any wildlife species in the modern times of 2019 is the limited habitat. Mm-hmm. So like here in Arkansas, we've only got so much habitat that really will hold bears. Yep, they've been, They'll grow for 10% per year. If they've got room. Well, if they do or they don't have room, well, they'll grow. Yep. You know what I'm True. saying? Yep. I mean, so they're going to, that's when they get into People's houses, and you start. Yeah. Re- so mm-hmm. I mean, like us taking out this 10% per year and utilizing that as mm-hmm. a as a wildlife-based commodity that fosters relationship between families and fathers and sons that get to hunt these animals, and we eat the meat and we yeah. use the hide, and it actually by taking out the 10%, you're actually making the 90% stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just you all guys all know camp. it. I'm all preaching to the choir. Yeah, but people don't know that they don't know how to say that yeah they they and and there's a there's a lot more stuff with bear hunting but i view it as a as a really it's kind of like i feel like in the war we're kind of at the front lines of it you know mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah. so that's part of why rebranding the bear hunter in north america is a big part of just educating people yeah. but, and even even with baiting and hound hunting which is highly controversial oh, yeah. even mm-hmm. in even inside the hunting community it is You're but right. the answer is not just to stop that i think people would just be like well we could lose that that's not that big a deal to me you know that's what they would think it's like i don't want to hunt bear with hounds or i don't want to hunt bear over bait but the 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 long term the anti-hunting communities like china they're on the thousand year plan to take mm-hmm. over the planet uh, the anti-hunting community, <laughs> yeah. anti-hunting community is trying to destroy us by incrementalism, one little yeah, section at a time. Yeah. Hound hunting here, and as soon as baiting they're done here. with hound hunting and baiting, they'll be after. They'll be after Something whatever else. is yeah. next. Yeah, and so Should so the answer out. is not just to remove these kind of controversial sectors because the controversial sectors are designed to be management tools for the different regions to harvest that ten percent. You mm-hmm. can't kill ten percent of the Arkansas bears by spot and stalk. <laughs> no. You can't do it. Boy, no. You know? And uh and so You're one of the few guys I've ever watched do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's I love true. that kind of hunting. That's my that's my that's my favorite hunt, spot and stock hunt here in Arkansas or Oklahoma. Yeah. That's, I, I've not better. even
0: attempted it here, but I've never heath will tell you i've never just been a huge bear hunter yeah at all um but i don't know why just whatever uh setting over a barrel or what i filmed him do it i've it's just something i've never done but now i did have the opportunity to go to newfoundland this year Mm. and spotting those and sneaking in on them i oh i could get smooth eat up with that yeah oh my god yeah I mean, I love it. Yeah. Did you kill one up there? I did. I did kill one that I didn't get to recover. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He got in a den on us. Oh, really? Yeah. And then he had a had a back door to it. Dang. And yeah, it was. I can tell you about it off air, but yeah. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. He was good one. Yeah.
2: So you've had take me off we got we got a couple other things we hadn't talked about here you've you've mentioned diving off into the digital side of things. you've gotten into films now, yeah you, you recently won the Bad Lambs Film Festival. What was that experience like for you?
1: yeah, that was pretty neat that was uh twenty eighteen um i i I started let me just say four years ago I was using iMovie and my stuff looked like <laughs> something you know like a sixth grade girl would make. Nothing against sixth grade girls. But was it? Was it My similar? daughters <laughs> tried to equate it to something. My was daughters it similar
2: did. to the experience of your first magazine? Or two? Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Didn't know anything. Didn't know anything. And since then, I, I feel like we've come a long ways on our production value. Yeah. With some of this stuff, and, uh-huh. and even yearly. I mean, I even look back at stuff I did last year and stuff I'm doing th- this year, and I feel like I've come to a standard of quality that I'm pleased with. Right. You know. Um, but no, I, I, had a pretty spectacular thing happen in, uh, 2017. Was it 2017? I won Badlands in 2017. Okay. So in 2017, uh, I was hunting in Saskatchewan with the traditional bow on the ground, 22 miles from the nearest road. Brandon, where we were at, we, we put out in a boat on this river system and went 22 miles and that was the nearest road. The closest road to us on the other direction was 56 miles. Wow. I mean, like wilderness that we perceive as deep wilderness in in the states, the lower right. 48. Yeah. I mean, in Canada, it's like they've got wilderness oh, yeah. f- for days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I, it was the first day of the hunt. And uh, we had seen, I'd actually missed a really big, what I believe was a potential Boone and Crockett bear. With the trad bow i mean like an hour after being in saskatchewan just smooth missed it all on film and then uh there was this blonde sow and a boar that were breeding and rolling around and this big color-faced bear came in and uh i i truly believe he had never seen a human or or smelled one i mean we were just so far back in there and uh and he just kind of bullied in and just came in and and ended up bumping into the end of my arrow oh my god did you see that i saw that okay and yeah i saw it too yeah and he kind of bowed up and and he actually i mean i kind of used my i didn't i didn't didn't i didn't really (laughs) poke him but but i was using that arrow to kind of keep him away and when he touched that arrow he raised up on his hind legs and stuck his head in the blind yeah and then as soon as he hit the ground, I shot him. Yeah, and once again, the YouTube community fried me for oh, that. Oh, I bet you wouldn't believe the comments on that video. But <laughs> and and the bow hunter, you wouldn't believe the bow hunters really? that were like, that was a terrible shot, Clay. Oh my, it God. was a killing shot. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have killed that bear. <laughs> I I ended up shooting the bear a second time. Yeah, at like twenty five yards, I shot the bear quartering away at like three yards. With the traditional bow. It's not like you weren't under a lot of pressure or anything on yeah. the shot. <laughs> yeah. And I hit it behind the last rib uh-huh. at a steep quarter and angle. Yeah. I got 17 inches of penetration going in behind the last rib, Brandon. Yeah. I mean, it would it, have exited it. right under the... Mm-hmm. It didn't poke out because it was a big bear. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't... I could have been a little further forward. Yeah. But, I mean, it was a killing shot. And the bear didn't even run off he just kind of trotted out there so i just grabbed up another arrow and at 24 yards just 10 ringed him yeah and but you'd be surprised at how many bow hunters are just like that was a unethical terrible shot and i have to give them a lesson on on shot placement and then ridicule (laughs) them a little bit for not being real bow hunters come (laughs) on man you're not a bow hunter no i'm pretty i'm pretty polite
2: on YouTube. Yeah. So I saw, I, we got to experience our first film festival this year as far as just going. I hadn't even Okay. Been. We've just never taken the time at the shows to go. We've usually got meetings or whatever. So we made it a point this year to go. To and, the Badlands? Yeah, to Badlands. Yeah. We were there. Oh, okay. And okay. so that was my first experience in the live event. And so I'm just trying to go back to when, because I wasn't at the event when you're yours, but I know how the crowd reacts and responds. Yes. Did they go crazy when that happened? Oh yeah. When the bear. Hit you could
1: down. always tell who's going to win by the most a crowd reactions. Yes, yeah. For real. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was uh, yeah. So my film was about that hunt. Yeah. It was a four minute. It was a short film. Yeah. And uh, and so I won. Yeah. It was really. It was a neat experience. Uh, were you feeling
2: it when the crowd when they got into it I was the one leading the yelling man
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like yeah get him man
2: (laughs) get him Clay (laughs) Uh,
1: no it was super exciting Uh, now I had a film in the festival this year right and and uh, there's it's it it, it didn't win that brown bear film was a spectacular film when I saw that slow motion video of that era of of I can't remember the guys that won it, but they're Mm -hmm. really good videographers. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was on Kodiak and it was, professionally filmed right and that when i saw that era like slow motion you know probably filmed with a red camera yeah. <laughs> sailing across this kodiak draw just like for just a minute nerd. and i was like this guy's gonna win <laughs> yeah. but uh it was fun just having to film in there yeah you know? i think
2: that's a cool part of our industry that we've seen kind of come around the last several years even though i haven't been to a lot of the festivals i, I actually come across the oscars last night my wife was like mm. what are you doing in the history of our life, you've never sitting here and watched the Oscars. But I just watched that *Stars Born* film mm-hmm. the other night, and um, with Lady Gaga and what's that? Clay, what's his name? Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Mm. And so they said they were going to be doing a live performance on there, and I was like, "Well, I just watched the movie, so that's the only reason I was actually watching it." I okay, got Heath. to watching all this liberal stuff and my wife was Can like, oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought it a few times. I was like, what are we watching? But, and they have the red carpet, all that. But this is, in our industry, we're starting to have a little bit of that that's almost like it's just our space. We have oh, to go yeah. do yeah. our thing. Uh-huh. And the crowds are starting to come. It's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it we've, is. We've actually talked about maybe trying to start submitting some stuff here and there if we ever make time to do it. Yeah, yeah. but It's definitely cool. If you're listening, you ever get a chance to go. To one of these festivals, it's worth your worth the ticket. Yeah, you know, to, we,
0: you know, the the bow hunting film festival came to Conway this year. We went yeah, over there and, and watched the, it, our full draw film
1: festival. Yeah, film,
2: yeah, film tour.
0: Yeah, film tour.
2: Yeah, yeah. we went and check that out. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: really is a fun environment. I think you described it well by saying that it was like our space. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, to go to a festival. I don't know how many people were at Badlands this year. Do y'all? There know? was a
0: bunch. I don't know. It was more. It was, was, a more, sweet it was setup yeah. There, it was
1: more than I thought. The
0: theater. You know,
1: I want to say last year they said there was thirteen to fifteen hundred people yeah. there, and it was a much smaller venue last 18. year. In eighteen, in eighteen. What? No. Well, the year that I won it. In seventeen. So this year, uh, the the space was bigger, so there was more empty seats. But I think there was maybe even more people there than that this year. Yeah. I thought
2: there was quite. I know we stood in line for a long time to get in the door. Yeah. A long time. Mm-hmm. It was cold. I remember. The,
1: the films were better this year. I feel like I feel like every year they're going up in quality. I've been to that festival for 5 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I've only submitted films 2 years, but uh I think they're getting I think they're getting better. And yeah, building a film for a live viewing audience is totally different than building a film. I learned that. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Uh one of the guys, one of the Badlands guys kind of told me that and I talked to him and thought about it, but like you like some things that are funny if you really have time to process it, like watch a television show yeah, or in a live audience, like people are looking for almost like, I don't want to say slapstick humor, but just like humor that's very obvious, obvious. Yeah. yeah. And, and you will be surprised at what people will laugh at, but also what they'll miss. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. you could have, I mean, I know some of the stuff we've done, I don't know. You kind of got to pay attention to realize it was funny. Yeah, and if you did, then it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. people just roll right over it, and they're just you. You know, you're there with your buddies, and you're just you're just watching for something exciting to happen, or yeah. for somebody to say something funny. Yeah, and you got it's got to be real obvious. And then the more dramatic. I mean oh, yeah. the, the, the dramatic, the kill. And I hate, I hate to say it, but it is about the kill shot on one of those deals. Yeah. From what I have seen. Yeah. And I could be wrong.
2: Well, this year, this year was almost more about the stories. It well, seemed like because somebody said, I guess you got to
0: have a, a heart tugging well, story yeah, if you're going to win feature films, There yeah. was a couple of those heart, heart on the scores. feature side. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of yeah. people
2: don't realize. If you don't even know what we're referring to, there's the short film
1: category, which right. is
2: what four minutes or less. Four. Yep. And then the feature, feature film is like 11 minutes, I think, or less. Yeah, yeah. And so...
1: Well, no, I think it's I think it's seven. Oh, is it seven? Yeah, it's pretty short.
2: So it's still pretty short. It's still short. And that's what I, I've realized, even in not even doing them for live audiences, but in the process of starting to release some of our short films, it's challenging as a producer to be able to tell a, a powerful, effective story in four minutes. Yeah. you got to really have your stuff yeah. in order mm-hmm. to communicate what you're trying to communicate. And so, yeah. obviously, you did a good job of it. I was going to ask you, do you think that... That more um, we're seeing both. I think you already alluded to it a little bit, but when it comes to quality production versus a story, where, where do you find is most important?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. The, the this year, you're right. It did seem like it was the more scripted, professional stories that did well. Yeah. Um, but I've also seen it the year before. The year I won the short film, the guy that won the long film just had a really great story and i wouldn't say the production quality of it was out of this world no but the story was Mm -hmm. it was a guy whose mother had had cancer and he took her mountain goat hunting she killed a mountain goat but ah, i don't know there's a there's a balance between just that raw realism that kind of youtubers want to see Mm -hmm. and then the real polished out matt zinger jason matt zinger usually cleans up pretty good yeah uh but he always has a spectacular film, mm-hmm. but it it doesn't always win. Yeah, yep. You know, so yeah. it's
2: and it's almost like and, and and I've I've even noticed this, and I I don't really hang out with Matchinger that much, but I would expect he feels this way. It's almost like when you start creating a certain expectation, it's almost like LeBron James. He can yes. go triple double every night, and it's normal.
1: Where, well, yeah. where
2: 10 years ago, you're like, holy crap, he just did that yeah. like, three nights in a row. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like in film. Now That's, that you start creating this expectation, yep. you're not going to win every year because hurt everybody you. Knows, it hurts yeah. you almost. It hurts you. Maybe you should just submit every like once every three or four years. For real. <laughs>
1: yeah. If you want to win. I mean, if your intent is to win. To win, yeah. i yeah. tell you what else hurts you is going first. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed that that the first film, you've forgotten what it was about by the time you vote. By the time it's over. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I had- just draw straws on that deal or what? I don't, I don't know how they do it. Hmm. I don't know how they do it. But, I mean, somebody's got to go first. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I think they do it intentionally based up on the content just to keep people- Engaged. Excited. Yeah. I mean, like, if they feel like there's one that's a little less, they might, they might put- I don't- You know, I think they have some intentionality behind it. Yeah.
2: But- yeah, well, that's, well, that's cool. pretty fun. That's cool, man. I was excited to see when you won that. I know it seems like it was yesterday. Time flies yeah. so fast, but it's been cool, man, watching you kind of tell your not only tell your story today, but seeing you progress over the last ten years and just step by step. What would you tell somebody that's ten years like you were when you're just getting started out? Looking back, they're thinking, "Man, I want to I want to live my passion someday." Yeah. Well, give give me a couple things.
1: That you can... know, I'm kind of torn, Heath, in that because. I feel like there's some people that will – I mean, they're just not supposed to make a full-time living in the outdoor industry. Yeah. I mean, it's just like – because I do see people that have ambition to do that, and I feel like they think that they are they can work to that place. Yeah. And it's a fine line because you've worked a lot. Yeah. But I, you were also – I mean, that was just the pathway that you yeah. had for you. Yeah. Uh, like, so – I do see people that I feel like kind of have a pipe dream of living mm-hmm. inside the outdoor industry, and so I'm I'm kind of torn between like just really encouraging people, just saying like, yeah. man, this is America, anything can happen, <laughs> you can live your dream, and then they waste a decade. Yeah, I'm actually fixing to do some
2: leadership podcasts on that subject because cause the last thing we want to do is create a false sense of hope. Yeah, and and you got to be realistic within your skill set think- with what you're. I say that, but then I hear your story, and you're producing the dang magazine, and you just, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Well, but you, but you had the willingness to dive in and learn whatever it took, and to have the yeah. grit and grind to go out And, and, and the
1: it. opportunity came to me. I mean, and and that's something that you can't. I think it would probably be a lot of the story of a lot of people in the outdoor industry is that, yeah, that they just found themselves in beneficial circumstances that are hard to fabricate. Like yeah. I, I don't look back at my me now making a living in the outdoor industry and say it was solely just the right. work that I did. I mean, um, so I'm not trying to discourage people, but I think people ha- need to be, need to f- fill their space and find that place where they feel satisfied and fulfilled in, whether it's producing content or whether it's right. working for an outdoor company or or whether it's just having an Instagram page that they can share you know, mm-hmm. their stuff with people yeah. and be realistic inside of what they're, what they're supposed to do. Cause yeah. not everybody's supposed to do what you do. Yeah,
2: exactly. You know, there's no doubt. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but working, just working hard and being willing to do whatever it takes, yeah. take a risk. Uh, and now, and I've heard some of the dream crusher podcasts you guys <laughs> did. And, it's and, still one of the most downloaded. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's, that's. That's really good stuff. Um, <laughs> it's just true. I mean, yeah. you, you know, like for me, you you just you just find the people that identify with what you're doing, and and my goals inside of the outdoor industry. If my life just stayed just the way it is, and I was able to make a living, I'm not getting rich, but I can pay my bills, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I'm able to. I have and I do have opportunity i have a lot of opportunity to hunt bears yeah that's one thing that the doors are wide open for me somebody's got to get that content right yep yep Stinks for you stinks for me <laughs> um but uh I, I mean i'm i'm if 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 my life just stayed just the way it is i'd be happy yeah. but at the yeah. same time um, i am ambitious in the sense of i mean i'm trying to grow this business and and i don't think it's necessarily going to grow i don't think my magazine will ever have a hundred thousand subscribers Right. It won't. I think it might stay just the way it is, but what I am trying to grow is our digital stuff and, and I don't even know if I'll be I mean, I think in the foreseeable future Bear Hunting Magazine will be the core of my business, but I I would I would like to see a day when I was producing a bunch of content not bear related. Uh-huh. That's kind of what we're doing now. Yeah. I mean, we we just produced a film two weeks ago, uh, called Hundred Dollar Squirrel. I mm-hmm. saw it. I saw Squirrel it. hunting on mules. Yeah. Man, that did better than any of my bear films that I released this year. Really? And for the time period. Yeah. Uh, like, we traveled all over North America hunting bears, <laughs> and I go get on okay. Izzy and go on a squirrel hunt, and uh, that video did better than all those bear videos. Isn't that crazy? Um, That's awesome. But it, so, do you think it's
2: because you you have such a locked-in bear hunting community following you that they were like, what the
1: heck is Clay doing? I don't know. Maybe it was a shock factor. I don't know. <laughs> What's he doing? The, hey, the 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 outdoor industry is looking for something different. I guarantee All it. the time. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you a story without mentioning any names, but I was at the ATA show and was standing with a very influential figure in the industry. I'll tell you who it is after we get off here. Yeah. And, uh, in marketing, in the marketing space. I, I didn't know him uh, very well. And... Uh, and and somehow I didn't say it, but the guy I was with said, Tell him what you're doing on Friday. And I said, This is a filmmaker. Yeah. And I said, Man, we're going squirrel hunting on mules in the Ozarks. He pulled out his phone and started looking at his calendar because he wanted to come <laughs> really? and make a film. For real. And uh I'll tell you the rest of the story. But the <laughs> point being, this is a pioneer. And he was he was just like, You're doing what? Yeah. Squirrel hunting on mules. That's good stuff. Yeah. And um uh, and uh so th- they're looking for different stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean, whitetails are always gonna be king. I mean, we yeah. all love white tails and love killing big whitetails. Yeah. But I mean like Ranella. I'll tell you Steve Ranella, I mean, he's to me he's he's top of the charts yeah. in my book mm-hmm. in terms of conservation, and his ability to communicate and all yeah. that he's doing. And he's awesome. he's kinda told us all i mean we knew it before because we've been doing it our whole lives yeah but i mean you know just like the small game scene mm-hmm. and just kind of utilizing the broad space that we have you know media has kind of shifted us towards the the glamour of antlers mm-hmm. but uh and that's really what i'm all about i mean bear hunting kind of landed in my lap yeah and so that's what i would be known for in the little world i'm in yeah but uh but heck man i mean i'm a coon hunter and a squirrel hunter and a deer hunter and just a hunter and an outdoorsman yeah yeah and so we're uh uh yeah and i I think that's you know
0: all of us especially where we all grew up you know i mean if it was season you hunted it yeah it didn't matter what it was from the time dove season comes in until Turkey season goes out in the spring, you know. Yeah, what's going on. Yes, yep.
2: What's your you're a, you're an expert in the bear hunting community. What would you What would you give us a uh, sleeper state for bears in the bottom forty eight?
1: Sleeper people- state for bears in yeah. the bottom forty eight. Uh, Arizona. Really? Yeah. Arizona has some of the biggest skulled bears in the country. Wow. Yeah. Um Arizona's a sleeper, and then the real sleeper, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) The real sleeper. That's why it's a sleeper, right? No, I'm just kidding. No, my favorite place to hunt black bears in the whole world is Oklahoma. Really? I've hunted bears in the best places in North America, and I can say that with confidence. And uh, two biggest bears I've ever killed came from southeast Oklahoma. Wow. Yep.
2: I was going to ask what
1: you. What it. is it just cause of that, because of that reason there, or is it something about – I'm going to give away all these secrets. Can we edit this out? <laughs> yeah, we can. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. Um, part of it is just my ex- the accessibility that that region has for me because of access that I have. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I have a unique angle on it. Because yeah. that's pretty
0: uh, much the
1: western side of the Ouachita's, which the Ouachita's hammer well, out some giant bears. Well, really. the, that's just it, though. So, we've been hunting bears in Arkansas since 1980, mm-hmm. and the Ouachita Mountains flow into southeast Oklahoma mm-hmm. for about 30 miles. Yep. So, some of the best bear hunting that I do is pretty near the Oklahoma-Arkansas line, let's right. just say within 10 miles of it. And that's some of the best bear hunting Maybe in Arkansas, or as good as in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Central Ozarks are really where everybody should go. Mm-hmm. They should never go to the Western Ouachita's. They should go to the Central Ozarks. <laughs> Newton, Johnson, Pope. Okay. Yeah, Pope. Newton, Johnson, Pope. <laughs> That's where they should go. Uh, but, so we've been hunting bears since 1980 on the Arkansas line, but you go a mile into Oklahoma and you're hunting unhunted bears. Yeah. And basically, nine years ago, eight years ago, they opened up a season in Oklahoma so basically we're picking the low hanging fruit off of uh wow. the Oklahoma vine. Yeah. I mean I killed a five hundred fifty pound bear in Oklahoma this year. Wow. You know, old, old bear. Mm. I hadn't got him officially hadn't. scored yet, but
2: last bear I killed in Arkansas was nineteen. Was nineteen inches. No, nineteen years old. Oh, for real? Yeah.
1: Wow. I That's knew, old.
2: I know. I, I don't how how old did they get? I mean, now they
1: can they live up to 30, 25, 25, 30, 30, 30 years, years in the wild. Thought, yeah, but still, nineteen—that's old. It is. I, I knew
2: when we when we was when we was cleaning this bear out, his teeth was about to fall out. And of, course, uh, of course, we sent. him. How big him. was
1: the skull? Do you remember? I don't.
2: Yeah, I don't even know that we measured him. Mm. Um, matter of fact, skull's probably still in my freezer. If you want to look here in a minute,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can officially measure him.
2: He, uh, yeah, but I knew, but I didn't realize that. I mean, yeah. he, he'd been roaming for a while. Well, if
1: it was a boar and that old, it's probably good,
2: good sized skull. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, man, it's been good today. You got any closing thoughts, B, Clay? Anything we've not covered?
0: We need to do a bear hunt together sometime. We do need gather to do some a, content. A, we do need to gather <laughs> yeah. some content. Yeah.
2: All kidding aside,
1: how can Hold people find you? Or something
2: else. Tell us how people can find yeah, you
1: online. Yeah, so uh, Bearhunting Magazine on Facebook, Bear Bearhunting Magazine on YouTube, Bear Bearhunting Magazine on Instagram, and Clay Newcomb on Instagram. Awesome. You know, Clay Newcomb on Facebook. Yeah. But, yeah, that's kind of where we're at cool man well, man it's been really good
2: been a long time coming
1: yeah and uh hope, my, my hopefully it won't be the last
2: man thanks for coming down and joining us and yeah we're gonna keep in touch absolutely see where this thing ends up someday maybe 10 years later we'll be sitting around talking about how bad our content is right how now bad yeah. <laughs> how bad the podcast was how bad the podcast was
1: maybe we'll uh, stir up a little controversy yeah uh, see well, Hey, goes. thanks thanks a ton my pleasure to be here i love the I love some Tier 12 podcasting. Yeah, man.
2: man. You've been listening for a little while, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Getting critiques for us? Um, nope. <laughs> we really don't. Just keep mind.
1: having these great guests on. Be- <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm
2: talking about. B Be- told me, he's got on to me a couple times. He's like, you're going to have to quit with these late, late, late night podcasts.
0: Because you just kind of like, just like keep like going, we just, and, going we just, and going. It's
2: not ever. So now we're trying to get them around midday if we can. Yeah, (laughs) we get a little.
0: (laughs) There's a couple
1: of. As soon as we get off the air, I'm going to tell you the podcast idea that's going to change the hunting industry. Oh yeah, yep, awesome. As soon as we're off. Did we mention your podcast? Oh no. Where where can we find your podcast? Bear Hunting Magazine Podcast. <laughs> How did I know? I should have known. Hey, we're pretty we're pretty uh, straight lace branders. Um uh, no, Bear Hunting Magazine Podcast is hosted on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Yeah. And it's a it's a conglomeration of like nuts and bolts, like tech nerdy stuff about hunting bears. Yeah. All the way to like last week we did a podcast. I had Ford Van Fossen, the conservation director of First Light. And uh, Jordan Riley of Capture Creative. Yeah. You mm-hmm. do you guys follow those guys? I've, I, seen, Capture I've Cre- Capture seen Capture Creative. Capture Creative yeah. does all the first light stuff. Mm-hmm. They're real they're young guys. Mm-hmm. Young guys. Really sharp. But they were they were in Arkansas with me last week and uh so you know, it, it was just kind of a awesome. round table, fun sessions just talking. Yeah. Nice. So very cool.
2: But Well man, it's been real. We appreciate you coming on and hopefully it won't be the last time.
1: Hey. And
2: uh, my pleasure. Thank well, you. It's almost spring, man, so good luck this spring.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, man, it's been real. Until next time, peace out and God bless. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Listen, if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on the podcast, do us a favor, a huge favor. Go online, go to iTunes, jump on your podcast app and give us a review. This is why it's important. All throughout the year, this year, we're going to be giving away products, hats, t-shirts, things from our sponsors, and the only way you can be registered to win those products is by going in and giving us a review. We'll be giving those out on a monthly basis, and we want you to be involved in what's going on with free stuff. We know everybody likes free stuff. I'll be honest, we enjoy free stuff, and we want to share part of that with our listeners. Listen, guys, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you listening to the content we're putting out. You're not only a part of the tour, you're a part of the family. And we're building a tribe that's willing to go where only few dream about, living our passion. I am Jay Heath Graham, and I thank you for being a part of the Tour 12 podcast.